Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's the Wednesday midweek edition of the show. Let's talk sports. And uh, Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu being joined by my traditional Wednesday guy. But you know what? This is going to be his last Wednesday for a while because he's going to be going on a trip. Uh, this is uh, He's one of those guys where uh, at any given time in the year, he just sort of disappears into the ether for like weeks upon weeks at a time. But he is my good buddy, and he is from the Honolulu Star Advertiser. It is a traditional BTS Wednesday, Billy Talk Sports. Billy Hull is in the house. What's up, Billy? How's it going? It's going all right. It might get a little weird today. We had a little bit of a crazy morning. We had a little car problems in the family. Give, give, it, to dog, us. give it to us. A little uh, dog doctor um, things going on. So I just barely got here in time. I haven't eaten any breakfast. You know me. If I haven't eaten all day, I might get a little crazy. <laughs> a little so, hangry. A uh, little hangry. So uh, yeah, here we are. But I made it in time. We're here. BTS Wednesday. How you doing, friend? Should we just leave it vague like that? You're like, little car, a <laughs> little dog doctor thing. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we, we probably should fill in some of the blanks. Well, huh? let's not bring everyone down. No, um, you know the uh, the wife had a little car problems today. If there was, uh, if you were headed eastbound, if you were out headed eastbound this morning, and good thing school I think is out, so it wasn't too bad. Uh, there might have been a little problem caused by uh, you somebody. Have, you may have seen a car on the side of the road, <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe it wasn't running, but it was blasting BTS it was blasting, music. Yeah, exactly, its own little concert was still going on. Uh, yeah, so we had that to take care of, and. Uh, Obviously, we have we have a little bit of a trip coming up, which uh, we can talk a little bit about. I'm very excited for because this is also June. Like this is like sure. So like when you work at the Star Advertiser, you work in the sports department. Basically, everyone's working from that first UH football practice in August to um, you know the end of the state baseball tournament and then the end of the state tournaments and the end of the UH baseball season. Everyone's grinding. So like June first, everyone is like getting out of here like you yeah. have to fill out your vacation way in advance because everyone just wants to get out <laughs> as quick as possible i think jason kanashiro my co-worker's on the mainland right now i believe he's in colorado uh following him on social media and stuff so yeah everyone's trying to get out of here so my chance to get out of here is coming up i'm turning 40 buddy oh so i'm turning 40 years old and i decided uh to do something a little crazy uh my wife actually worked out she has a conference for work in new orleans next week nice so i'm gonna see her in new orleans and we're gonna drive and i'm gonna spend my 40th birthday at the George Dickel and Jack Daniels uh, Whiskey Distilleries in Tennessee. Oh my That's God. how I'm spending my 40th where, birthday. Where you are just going to We're bathe. doing the bourbon trail. You're going yeah. to bathe in a vat yeah. of whiskey. It's the one time where my wife's going to be there next to me, and I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to have that extra drink, and you can't say anything because I'm 40 today, baby. So, uh, yeah. Look at uh, me. I'm 40. Look at me. I'm, I'm a 40. man. How cool is that? So, uh, yeah, my uh, my parents are flying in from Seattle, so uh, we're I'm definitely looking forward to it. Something I've been wanting to do my whole life. You know, I know I'm, I'm, I'm big into whiskey. I love drinking whiskey. I love sampling all different kinds and getting the rare kinds and stuff like that i got a little bit of a collection at home and so it's my first chance to go do the bourbon trail so oh, I'm that's, that's really cool like you will be doing high dives uh <laughs> off of some like adjacent platform and cartwheeling into a big vat of whiskey like that is going to be what your 40th birthday is all about isn't that everyone's dream no but uh <laughs> yeah we're doing that and we're staying in nashville i've never been to nashville so it's about a Hour oh, and a half yeah. drive from That's the distilleries, so you know Billy going to two distilleries and then coming back to the hotel in Nashville like eight o'clock on his fortieth uh, birthday. <laughs> I'm almost so. tempted to try to reach out to you at some point, like maybe just for a phone interview, just to get an update. Like, how's it going, Billy? And it's just you slurring through like five minutes over the phone would just be fantastic. Radio. Well, what would it be? We're six hours, so it'd be about so it'd be six o'clock. 
Yeah. I mean, like I a five-hour yeah. difference, is it? Five? Oh, five hours. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could call into the show. Maybe we could do some. Yeah, no, we'll I don't know, though, man. I mean, I he, won't be the most, I don't know. he won't be in the most yeah. reliable state. I don't know how that would go. I mean, I'd say, you know, my <laughs> reputation might get hurt a little bit, but I've been doing this show for like a year, so what reputation do I have left? <laughs> exactly. It's gone. Exactly. 808-296-1420 is the number. What happened with the dog? Oh, the dog... Uh, not the dog so well. okay. The dog it's got got a couple of a couple of tumors and we're just trying to figure oh, out how man. to make the the end of its wonderful life. She's oh, 14 man. years old. Yeah, so I don't want to bring anyone probably down. Probably shouldn't have asked. Let's go back and talk about the whiskey. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about uh football. There you Football's go. a good thing to talk about. Uh UH uh, football the season is like what, 90 days away or 90-something days away already? Can I – wait, okay. Good. I'm glad you brought this up because I got to be honest. I can't be the only one, and maybe it's because of the job I have, but I just saw that we're now doing the – uniform. because when you get within 100 days, you can put the uniform yeah. on your big defensive lineman that were 94 days away Actually, from the I think beginning we're of the summer. we're already like 87 or can something Can I just enjoy away. a couple weeks of my summer before I already start thinking about no, how no, close no, no, it is no, to no, football no. season? It's like, here we go. We're already counting down the The days. countdown's on. The oh, countdown's on, Billy. I Sorry. those. Try to enjoy – your whiskey because football season is right around the Can corner. Can we wait till we get like a linebacker's number days away or something like that? I mean, do we have to start with the defensive tackle? Numbers? I think they had Tumua. They had Tumua's number because he was eighty-eight, right? I oh, think so. I think they had his number uh, just the other day. So yeah, no, we're we're in the eighties oh, already. already. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, it's it's happening. Man. It's one of those things that like right now you're like, oh, give me a time, but then when August rolls around. We're ready to That's go. right. That's right. And uh, yeah, the, the Big West Conference, I'm sorry, the Big West, the Mountain West Conference, which announced today that uh, there were several teams within the league uh, that had games that were scooped up by uh, national broadcasters. And in the case of Hawaii, a couple of games that are going to be taken by CBS Sports Network, including the home opener uh, that is September 1st against Stanford. You, you, I think everyone was anticipating that that game uh, would certainly be one that uh, a national entity would be interested in. And then the other other one is this is kind of another perennial that gets uh, clipped off by uh, one of those national entities, and that is Hawaii hosting San Diego State. So both those games, home games, both those games, uh, the dates for which, respectively, September 1st against Stanford, October 14th against San Diego State, uh, those are going to be 5 p.m. start times, a little bit earlier for the TV window. And in the case of the Stanford game, a reminder, that's September 1st, which is a Friday, and we know how convenient it is to get to UH uh, during uh, peak rush hour afternoon traffic time on a Friday. So uh, something to be wary of. But yeah, those two games get uh, taken by CBS Sports Network. You already have the opener at Vanderbilt scheduled to be on the SEC Network, uh, and also uh, Hawaii at Oregon September 16th, uh, Pac-12 Network game. So a uh, little bit of national exposure here uh, for the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, I don't think any of those selections are any kinds of, of surprises or anything like that. Uh, but in year two of the Timmy Chang era, uh, you have some very early opportunities for Hawaii to kind of uh, make a name for itself or at least try to make some kind of statement on a, on a national platform or or a few national platforms. Yeah, well, it's ex- I mean, it's ex- just exciting to look at. You look at this thing, you're like at Vanderbilt, and then you've got two uh, Pac-12 opponents in September. You know, that's really cool. But uh, the funny thing about this now is we've been doing the show for a while now, and so I kind of start to th- see things a little bit thinking about you. And so do you have, because I noticed these 5 o'clock home starts instead of the normal 6 o'clock home starts, it's a pretty big difference for you announcers because, you know, I'm in the press box I have up there. We've been doing it at Chingfield now for two years. How difficult is it? With the sun coming in, because I imagine as a play-by-play guy, it's got to be really tough. It's it's awful. I, I'll be honest. What do you tell these guys that are going to have to do this? Uh, so I would I would say you know in some instances in the past those have been remote 
uh, broadcasts, mm, so they right. aren't necessarily in Hawaii. But I would say that if uh, they are actually <laughs> making the trip, uh, bring your shades, buddy. Because, no, it is the sun just beams right into the booth, right? The way that the booth is set up uh, on the uh, Malka side of Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex, uh, until the sun sort of goes below the dome of Stan yep. Sheriff Center, uh, you are staring right into it. And it makes it very difficult because those booths are covered with glass. Uh, so it makes it very, uh, very difficult trying to see through the glare and all yeah. of that stuff. Uh, and so anytime you hear, uh, say, a play-by-play announcer make some kind of uh, identification <laughs> mistake, that's why, guys. It's not because of you know any kind of human error. I'm just kidding. Well, trying we to have make to rely. Here. We have to rely on you in the in the writers' <laughs> box because we actually end up just watching on the television because uh-huh. they beam in the feed or whatever to help us. Because it really is almost impossible to see like some of the numbers and stuff and the glare because you can't open the yeah. the thing, right? I mean, it's got to be brutal. So it's it's sort of happens at that time of year with the uh, usual 6 p.m. start time, like right around kickoff, the sun's kind of beaming in, but right after kickoff, like just a few moments into the game, usually it starts to get a little bit below the horizon and a little more bearable uh, to watch from that side of the stadium. You know, you've had some discussion from from David Matlin talking about maybe raising the the tiers of the stands on the Mackay side of the stadium. Um, You know, they're not necessarily to that point yet, but if they continue to add to the seating and the capacity, that is likely to be something that's going to happen. And I am a big proponent of that <laughs> because anything that can like further block out the sun uh, would be fantastic, I think, over there at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic <laughs> Complex. But yeah, that's a challenge. That's definitely a challenge. And the 5 p.m. start time for those uh, two nationally televised games, that's that's going to be a challenge yeah, as well. It's just kind of the weird things that like we in our professions look around. Like, I just saw the 5 p.m. start time. My first thought was, oh my god, the sun. I'm going to have to deal with the sun for I now. Know. For me, but no, just that's getting, true. Hashtag first world problems, exactly, right? exactly. But no, just kind of getting back to it. I mean, it's you know, second year of Timmy Chang, and I and I love, I love it. I love the fact every year you go out and you have these marquee games to really not only test yourself for, but just to get the fans excited about. I mean, you know, this place we've got quite a few Oregon fans. I think the uh, whole Marcus Mariota starting the whole pipeline over there had a big deal to it. So you know there's going to be a lot of people probably tra- traveling to Eugene for that game. You get Stanford. You know, Stanford, a good team. Um, I believe they, they got rid of their coach, David Shaw, which was a little surprising. Right. So they're going to be a little bit different. But just having a team like Stanford coming in here, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah, no, that, I think that those those are pretty cool setups, I think. Um, I, you know, I always uh, find it interesting to see a program that has kind of a Power 5 name brand to it, right? Like a Stanford Cardinal team coming into Clarence D.C. King <laughs> Athletic Complex. And I always kind of wonder, like, all right, how are they going to kind of react to this? I mean, Vanderbilt, not necessarily an SEC football power, but certainly an SEC institution that has a lot of money, right? And is used to kind of having some, some very nice, shiny, beautiful, big facilities, uh, and then they come down to Clarence T.C. Ching Athletic Complex, and it's like, all right, there's your locker room, the lower concourse of the baseball stadium, and it's just, you know, hey, look, we have to work around what we have to work around here in the islands, and in the case of the University of Hawaii, uh, with what happened with the stadium debacle, they're just forced into, they've been painted into this corner of, hey, look, we have to, to work with what we have at our disposal at the moment, and everything is baby steps, and that's one of the things that you're just going to have to deal with is, we're going to set up these big fans for you to try to keep it cool in there, but it's not going to be this illustrious palatial uh, locker room 
room like maybe you're used to being in uh, in some other facilities or some other stadium. So that's just the reality of it. But I always find it interesting. Like uh, when I get to the, the stadium myself, uh, I'm always sort of peeking in and like looking at some of the players or coaches walking out. It's like, all right, well, well, what's their body language sort of reading here when they're like, oh, Oh, th- these are our digs. Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite Brian Denny Stadium. No, not quite. Playing in. But uh, one thing, and not to be kind of Debbie Downer about it, and we'll see how it kind of works out, but there's been some interesting talk recently with Nick Saban talking about how maybe he thinks that the SEC team should be playing only, I think, Power 5 schools. That's yeah. been kind of a thing. So at the same time, I would tell fans to just don't, you know, appreciate kind of these big games because obviously the whole college football is changing. It's going through this huge change and stuff. And so – there is a, a potential future where you're not going to be able to schedule some of these games. And so having a Stanford coming in here is something that, hey, man, take the time, enjoy it, go out, see them play, go see a, yeah. a major conference uh, team playing here, Power Five conference team playing because we just don't know what's going to happen in the I, future. I, I was just thinking about that. And it's just, it's just a shame, right? Like, it's just a shame oh. how college sports has just folded over on itself, right? And it's really just purely out of. Greed. Greed. Like if we had just kind of collectively uh, hung together and stayed true to this ideal of like amateur sports and revenue sharing and we lift all boats kind of thinking, right? And all these different conferences, whether you're a quote unquote power five conference or a group of five conference, like we're going to share in some of the money that's being made. We're going to limit coaching salaries so we don't get into this ridiculous place where coaches are making, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on an, on a an, uh, long-term contract and the players are getting a stipend check every month because of their scholarship. And that's really, that inequity is what then forced the hand of what is now the NIL, which has introduced this wild, wild west, certainly in association with the transfer portal, where we don't know what this thing is going to look like in five years. It just is chaos at the moment. And it is absolutely a direct byproduct of the fact that they just didn't know how to keep it genuine, keep it in, in this more uh, um, amateuristic kind of of mechanism as opposed to, oh, we're going to keep the, the athletes, the student athletes themselves in this amateur bubble and then everybody on the periphery, all of the ancillary characters, they can all just indulge in capitalism at its highest order. And it just created this inequity that obviously that bubble was ultimately going to burst and it just annoys me because here we are now on the precipice of the super conference era and who's going to be left out it's going to be the 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 mid-majors it's going to be the the group of five institutions and conferences potentially uh, and it's just like man we didn't even need to be here no. it's only because you guys got greedy yeah and there's going to be some power five schools you look at the pac-12 that i think you're kind of get, kind of get left out about some things but i don't know about you it just I really now, my new like thing, you know me, like every couple of years I get on this thing of certain things I really don't like. I really, really, really don't like the SEC. I'm really starting to hate the SEC with a passion because I think this is where it all started. This is where kind of the, the, the they've kind of built the mecca of college football and they kind of got to oh, control yeah. everything. And then did you see the uh, baseball? Yes, I talked about it yesterday oh, a little did. bit. I Eight. mean, SEC teams hosting. Really? Really? Like, we just, I mean, the RPI is so now blatantly uh, swung in their direction. You're leaving out really good teams. I mean, you, know, you talked about the fact that UC Irvine not making the baseball tournament. Um, it just totally, like, I mean, if you're Hawaii now, you're like, oh my God, we got to rethink about this. If that's not a good enough resume to get in, what are you going to do? And I'm kind of getting off topic, but it's just, it just seems like 
It's starting to seep into other sports. It's all just becoming yeah. all going to one way, and it just I'm really, really starting to get annoyed with the whole thing. No, it, it has created, it has forced the hand of this hierarchy, this class system in college sports, which was going to be there in some capacity anyway, right? I mean, you go back into the, the glory days of, of University of Hawaii football, and there was still a discrepancy, of course. Not everything is going to be made the same, but there was a way where you could preserve uh, having even uh, Power 5, and group of five conference teams at least on a similar playing field, like at least be able to compete and not uh, turn it into this thing where it's like, now you hear the conversation and the discourse around an, an Alabama, Nick Saban's doing it himself, even just playing yeah. a group of five team and how that's so looked down upon now when it comes to the computer printouts and when it comes to the selection committee for the college football playoff and RPI and all this stuff, it's like, Oh man, yeah, we did it to ourselves in this thing, and and we we kind of get into this sometimes, and uh, I know it's the off season, so maybe it's like more of a reflective phase. Uh, but yeah, that just that absolutely irks me because you know here's the University of Hawaii, and a new athletics director is coming in starting next week uh, in Craig Angelis, and the challenge is you know how do we continue to tread water here, keep our heads above said water uh, with some of the facility challenges that we are facing, including the on-campus stadium. Like, is that the answer? Is it time to just focus your attention on trying to expand that into something that is more viable? Uh, you can have it on the lower campus, and maybe that becomes your home because this Aloha Stadium thing is still so uncertain. Like, these are kind of the questions that, that are asked, and I think the problem is the backdrop of it is this continually changing college sports landscape, uh, which is just making it more and more difficult for schools and programs like the University of Hawaii to just like be in the game, let alone compete in that game. Yeah, and that's what kind of makes, I think, this hiring so challenging because at the end of the day, there could be no it you could have hired anybody and it wouldn't matter what the way things are going to happen like it just might be a losing scenario at the end of the day where it's already been set in stone like the things have already been set up and they're going to their superpowers and you're not going to be playing any of those good teams and you're just going to be relegated to this kind of whatever level of college football you can play and there just might not even be an answer no matter who you got in which yeah. made the hiring of the 80s so thing because you got to give this guy a little bit of credit he's coming into an impossible situation there is no you know i think if he does any type of of uh, successful things with the stadium or get anything done like you know you just have to like you know clap your hands or whatever because this really because of everything we talked about it's just such an imaginably tough unimaginably tough situation for him to be in so you know i know you guys have talked a lot about the ad search but i just you know sit back and wish him the best of luck because he's got he's got he's got quite a job in front of him yeah from what i understand he's already reaching out in in uh, high frequency to some of the people in the community uh i'm sure there's a lot more that he still needs to reach out to but you know that's going to be part of the process right this is kind of like one of those times where you need somebody that can kind of ban everybody together i think that's why this was looked upon as being such an important selection is because you need that that person that that um you, you know that 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 sort of centerpiece to bring people together uh, to, to try to advance this, to, to create a, a stronger network of support for the University of Hawaii, because they need it more than ever right now. And then you got Timmy Chang, who's in the thick of things in his second year as, as head coach, and you know he's he's got to sell this program to players, and you know I give him a lot of credit because I think he is... Uh, piecing together a message of, hey, look, 
you know, it, Hawaii's not going to be the place for you to come to, to play in front of uh, 75 to 100,000 people at home games. That's just not going to be the case. But there's something else here. There are different kinds of experiences to be had here. There are experiences that are affiliated with Polynesia. There are experiences that are affiliated with island life, with family, the, you know, the brotherhood and all that stuff. Like, I think those are the ways you can try to sell the program in lieu of being able to say, like, look at this brand spanking new stadium and you can play inside of it. Like, it's we're not right there at this moment. Uh, and so some of these other factors have to come into play. We're going to take one phone call before we take a much-needed break here. Alex is on the line, 808-296-1420. Or did we lose him? Oh, okay, okay, we lost Alex. That's all right. We got to take a break anyway. We got Billy Hall in the house, BTS Wednesday, Billy Hall, the Honolulu Star Advertiser. When we come back, a notable member of the University of Hawaii baseball coaching staff is leaving, we just found out today. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser is my guest co-host for the day. 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Uh, all right, we uh, got news today. It was actually posted uh, on this uh, individual's own social media page uh, that Matt Troop, pitching coach for the University of Hawaii baseball coaching staff, uh, is going to be leaving the program. He says he and his uh, wife are going to be moving to the continent. Uh, they're going to be closer to family there for their uh, as they prepare to expand their family. Uh, and it's a tough one because, gosh, that guy was really cool. That guy was really, really well-liked by the players and the pitchers, uh, particularly uh, on the coaching staff. Uh, a really, really good guy and, and a guy who's worked with Rich Hill now for a handful of years. Uh, and I think a guy who Rich Hill has constantly said, he is going to be a head coach one day. Like, he has that kind of mind. He has that kind of potential. And so this appears to to be um, an understandable move for sure, right? This is a young guy and, and, and you know, a growing family and, um, and you understand uh, some of the thinking behind, hey, look, you know, we have to try to position ourselves as a family to be uh, in, in the most um, ideal uh, situation. But this is going to be a, a felt loss, I think, potentially, at least for, for the interim here uh, as the University of Hawaii looks to fill that void. Yeah, I think there's no question about it. I mean, if you just look at where UH baseball is at right now, you don't want to mess with anything because I think they're clearly trending up from him coming in, taking over a program that I think had really kind of struggled a little bit toward the end. I know they had, you know, one good year, the pandemic got in the way, but what he's been able to build, the way they've been able to get better, the way, I mean, the way they finished that regular season last week with the sweep of UC Santa Barbara, um, you know, getting closer and closer towards a, a, a possibly making a regional, although that kind of took a hit with the way the selection committee worked here uh, the other day. But uh, yeah, I just think with the way everything's going right now, I don't think there's not too much to complain about with UH baseball. I think year two of Rich Hill, they seem to be doing the right thing. They're on the right trajectory. They're they're handling the recruiting. I think there's some exciting recruiting things to come. So seeing him leave today, that's kind of was my first thought was that it's just one of those things where, look, ultimately he's going to do what he's got to do. You wish him the best, but just like you wouldn't in, in a perfect world, you just wouldn't want to touch anything involving that program right now because it seems like they're going in the right direction. Yeah, and I think the hope was, you know, Matt Troop was a, was a, a volunteer assistant and pitching coach. And so I think the hope was the NCAA – 
uh, had uh, approved adding a full-time coaching position to the staff. So in other words, you'd be able to convert the volunteer assistant into a full-time coaching position. Uh, and so I think the hope was, hey, look, now we have the means. Uh, and obviously a lot of that has to be discussed between the head coach and the administration, in this case, the, the new AD coming in and Craig Angelis. And so some of that had to be ironed out. Uh, and the hope, I think, was that, okay, now we have the means to keep Matt Troop. And I think that that's somebody that certainly Rich Hill was trying to prioritize. Like, let's try to keep this group, as you're saying, Billy, together, because we, we've kind of found a bit of a vibe here. He really likes, uh, does Rich Hill, some of the pitching talent that is coming in, and you want to have your pitching coach who you trust and can rely on to be uh, that guy to help develop these arms. And so uh, so this is a loss. And, and again, you understand it, and, and more power to him, and Matt Troop's going to be a guy that we root for uh, forever, for sure, because he's such a good dude. Uh, but this one, I, I think, is a, a bit of a... I wouldn't necessarily say a full surprise, but I think a, a bit of a bummer just because it, you, you would have hoped that the scenario could have presented itself uh, where you could have been able to retain him. Yeah, and you look at the job he's done with some of these pitchers and getting, you know, Gustin and that and that kind of starting rotation to perform the way they did in the end of the year. The thing that I've really enjoyed about watching this team the last two years and, and compared to when kind of I covered the team was just the player development, I think, is incredible. I think these guys coming here, you're seeing time and time again, you are getting the best out of these guys. And he had a lot to do with that, with those pitchers and stuff. And that's, you know, that, that can be a big recruiting pool. It's like, hey. Look, you, you you believe in your talent. If you come here, we are going to get the most out of you. And he was definitely one of the big reasons why. So I, I totally agree. You know, I think, um, look, Rich Hill is a very experienced guy. He's got a lot of connections. Sure. I'm sure he's already kind of had – I'm sure he's kind of had an idea that this might happen. And I'm sure he's already kind of looked at plan B and how to go next. I, I would be surprised if this kind of came out of the blue. And so he's yeah. definitely going to be prepared for this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think the law do a good job. But, yeah, you can't underestimate just what an incredible job he did and, and what a – part he's played in in UH growing the way they have these first two years under yeah. Rich. No, absolutely. And I, the, the pitching staff was a bit of an interesting story arc this year because, like you said, the development of a guy like Harry Gustin, um, you know, what we saw from Connor Harrison, what we saw uh, from uh, uh, Harrison Bodendorf, like, yeah. you know, these, these were guys who, you know, you saw little glimpses previously, but then they developed into these really reliable pieces uh, to the, the pitching staff. But you had guys that also went the other way, right? Ty Atkins would be the prime example, I think, why it was so wonderful to see him come out in a difficult relief spot in that series finale against UCSB, that season finale, and pitch the way that he did, particularly in that second inning, uh, where he just looked like the Ty Atkins that we got to know in the previous couple of years. Uh, but you had some guys that also sort of stepped backwards. And so the, the pitching story arc uh, was kind of interesting this year, uh, I thought, when observing this University of Hawaii team. That said, uh, I don't think it can be argued that maybe not to the same steady degree that we saw last year, that, that, that trending upwards incline on the graph of like they won 20 of their last 28. They were, they were um, you know, had individually and as a team collectively, they were just on a steady rise. This, this year, well, I think you could still say that they finished on a high note and you can still say that there was some upward trend. There were a couple other bumps in the road and individually you saw some guys that didn't necessarily have the strongest end of finishes uh, to their season but still to finish in the way that they did that last weekend against UC Santa Barbara uh, that was a Hawaii team and we had Matt Wong uh, on the show as an interview yesterday and he said this he goes I don't think there are too many teams 
anywhere that would have wanted to face us if we had more games to play. If there was either a conference tournament or if somehow, you know, we had been able to play into a national postseason bid, um, there weren't going to be a lot of teams that would have wanted to face that Hawaii team. That Hawaii team, that last weekend, they could have played with anybody. That's first night. They could have played with the San Diego Padres, for crying out loud. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you if that Big West tournament was at Les Murakami Stadium, yeah, nobody <laughs> want to play them because they were really, really lights out at home this year. Um, road a little bit different. You know, they, they lost, I think, four of their five conference series, I, th- I think, uh, something like that. Um, but I don't know. I, I look at the end of the day, you know, you finish, what, two games out of behind Cal State Fullerton for first place. You really comes down to those two one-run games at Cal State Fullerton. You switch those around, you're potentially uh, uh, going to a regional. You know, they finished 29-20. and 20. They're, I'm a big RPI guy. Their RPI was 73, which I think is the best RPI since either 2011 or 2000. Or 2010, they made the tournament. I think 2011, it might have been slightly better, if I remember. But more than a decade since you've had an RPI like that. It was a really good conference this year. And look, I... Six one-run losses in conference play. Six one-run, and they really had, what was it, four out of like five? I think because then they came back from Fullerton and they played, uh, was it Bakersfield? Bakersfield. And they lost the first two by three yeah. to two scores, I think. So they were right there, man. They were right there. Um, but I got to be honest, I know you said you talked about yesterday, I mentioned earlier, but this this whole thing, this whole RPI thing, I think is very alarming. And we've kind of seen it a little bit. But I just got to go back to real quick, UC Irvine. UC Irvine not making the NCAA tournament is very alarming. I mean, they finished 19-11 and 11 in conference. They finished one game behind Cal State Fullerton. They were 38-17 and 17 overall. They had an RPI in the top 50. They won their last six games. They always talked about how you finish the season. And the only reason I think it came down to them not making it is they ended up only playing one game against a quadrant one team. And it's kind of this new thing they do where they where they kind of put teams in, uh, based on quadrants and stuff. Well, all the top teams are in the SEC because of the way this works. So yeah. You just don't get a chance to play them. So to then turn around and judge your whole criteria, a lot of your criteria on this thing to get yeah. into the NCAA tournament, it is such a disservice to these really good teams out on the West Coast. And if I'm Rich Hill, I am yelling and screaming. Every time I'm doing a media thing, I'm yelling. I'm doing whatever I can to get. And I know it's an up- uphill battle, obviously. you know We know who controls the power in college. Athletics, but this this whole RPI thing, this has been going though. This kind yeah. of started. They started changing it when I was covering the team ten years ago when they when they made the regional and came close to next year. This has just been the evolution of that, and and it's really really disheartening for West Coast schools. Because what do you do if the RPI appears to be skewed, right? Because hey, look, yeah, we we, we kind of r- rely on RPI like it's this infallible thing, right? This infallible calculation, but a lot of it is based on just initial perception to start the year, yeah. uh, and so if the SEC is, as you were alluding to in the last segment, respected as, you know, this is the top league and it's got the best teams and that's your mindset and that's those are the lenses through which you observe college baseball to start the year, then what do you do with the RPI? You're already starting at a disadvantage. You mentioned UC Irvine. I think that's a great example. How about USC? How about USC finishes fourth, 17 wins in the Pac-12 conference, an RPI of uh, of low 50s. 53, 53, I think, think was was, the final RPI that they landed on. And that team gets iced out while eight... SEC teams get hosting Host. bids yep. in the national postseason. Like, that's just not right. Something is not right there. And if we're relying on the RPI, I don't think that it is uh, outside of the lines of appropriateness to suggest maybe there's something wrong with the RPI calculation to begin with. Well, 100%. But this is all what, what, what they were trying to do. And here's another good thing to add to that is you talk about the SEC teams. Well, when it's skewed to SEC teams, you're not going to have those series during the SEC schedule where you're having to play a team with a low RPI. You look at U, um, uh, UC Irvine. Yeah, you know, they had to play kind of a couple of the bottom teams in the Big West. 
You know what their non-conference RPI was? 29. 29. Oh and the goodness. real difference only comes down to there were a couple teams that they beat, but they had to play in the Big West, and that suddenly keeps them out. Yeah. 38 wins for UC Irvine, finishing second in the league That's by one wild. game. Them not making the NCAA tournament is a, just a travesty. Yeah, so what do you do that? I mean, what do you do with that? You're the Big West Conference. You've been a respected conference for for years, for decades even. Um, you know, Rich Hill and, and some other coaches, you know, obviously they have reason to say this, but, you know, Rich Hill is a guy who spent so much time in the West Coast Conference. He says, no, the, the Big West, in my experience here the last two years, is a better conference. There's more talent uh, in this conference. So what do you do with that? What do you do when you schedule non-conference in the way that Irvine did and they perform in the way they did and all they are relegated to is, well, once you get into conference play and you, and you, you play through conference play, unless you win the thing, uh, your RPI is going to take such a hit that you're going to be a bubble team and you have almost nothing to do about it. Yeah. And then, again, too, like you're schedule- Scheduling these teams that you think are good, sometimes stuff sure. happens and a team has a bad year, a bad recruiting class, coaching change, whatever, and suddenly you're counting on this team to bring in. They thought it was going to be really good. They're having a down year. Their RPI is high, and suddenly you're getting yeah. you're getting nicked for uh, um, scheduling a really good team uh, two years in advance or whatever it is. The whole thing is ridiculous. I'm sure that, that, that people that I don't know, I'm sure they're out there yelling and screaming and doing whatever they have to do. But I just, when I saw that UC Irvine wasn't in the tournament, I, I mean, I just, it's just a, kind of, it's too many times now, Kanoa, that I'm just throwing my hands up, yeah. trying to go against like, oh, because I'm not, I, I'm living in Hawaii or whatever, and I'm not living in, you know, SECville or whatever, that I'm just on the short end of the stick all the time. It sucks. You know, I just keep throwing my hands up like, this is ridiculous. And this is another example of how ridiculous college sports is. It's weird how it's swung too, right? There was a time where it's like, why are we relying so much on like the eye test, right? And just like, you know, what it looks like. You know, we need computer printouts. That's what we need. We need calculations, right? And that's what led us to like the BCS yeah. polls and all that stuff. Uh, and now I feel like can we apply the eye test a little bit more? Like well, if you they see, rejiggered it. they rejiggered it. That's what they did. Exactly. So they, they changed the game. Because if you look at a UC Irvine or even yes. a UC Santa Barbara, hey, Hawaii swept them and that cost them, you would imagine, pretty significantly. But you look at those two teams, Irvine and Santa Barbara, those are regional teams. Yeah. Like you cannot deny that those two teams should be playing in a regional uh, or at least it should be considered much more seriously for that. And I think the same goes for USC. Like how you leave the fourth place team in the Pac-12 conference out of the national postseason, I just cannot even begin to fathom. Anyway, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, um, we've been kind of asking this question in the back of our mind, but we will do it a little bit more officially here for this next segment. It's called, What the Bleep? We'll be back. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Being joined uh, by my man, Billy Hall. He's the special guest co-host for the day. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. But here on this BTS Wednesday, Billy Talk Sports, uh, we are going to censor ourselves by asking the question, what the bleep, with some of these uh, broader uh, sports uh, issues. So uh, let's start with... This one, uh, Billy Hull, uh, the Miami Heat are the eighth seed. They pulled off a series win over the Boston Celtics, winning a game seven. They are moving on to the NBA Finals to take on the Denver Nuggets. What the bleep? What do we do with these Miami Heat? 
just realize that they're good, and this isn't the first time this has happened. I mean, they just played in the bubble championship three years ago. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals a year ago. This is just what they do. Jimmy Buckets, you know, the regular season doesn't matter. We've talked about it before. Yeah, this is this is just what Miami does, and I just got to say, I mean, that series against Boston, after them winning the first three, losing the next three, losing game six at the buzzer on a putback, it just kind of ended sort of like, it, in a weird way, it made sense the way it ended. Like, of course, Boston's going to have the most jazzed-up garden crowd in, like, forever. Then their best player gets hurt on, like, pretty much play. on the first play of the game and just takes the, whole, the yeah. thing out of it. And it was clear, like, in the second quarter, Miami was going to win and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was just, like, the weird, like, ending to just a weird, weird series. Yeah, I was bummed. I was bummed when Tatum turned his ankle because, you know, like, so much of, of those games, it's about sort of establishing a tone and your best player is the guy that established the tone and if you know Tatum comes out and he's aggressive and he's driving to the hoop it just I think that that mindset would kick in for the Celtics we could have gotten a good game and that's all I was rooting for I just didn't want to see that blowout you got to give the Miami Heat credit but I do think it's a little weird how they're talking about wow the eight seed doing this is so crazy but they're not your typical eight no. seed they were the one seed just last year like what are we doing exactly although when they did lose that playing game it had you wondering kind of what's going on I think that threw everyone off the scent but yeah this is clearly what they do and look if you're the Celtics and you see Tatum go down and then you see Jalen Brown finish off a series playing the way he did we had more turnovers and field goals made and oh, now man. I believe it's five years 294 million is the extension he's available you can't pay him that. No, this you can't, right? This new CBA that's kicking in, right? Uh, <laughs> this is going to be a trip because teams can now pay astronomical numbers to their veteran stars, right? But the salary cap is going to be more or less a hard cap. You're not going to have as much flexibility going over the luxury tax limit and all this kind of stuff. So you really are going to have to make decisions like, yeah. do we believe that Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown are the guys to lead us to the promised land? Like, I don't know if we're going to be seeing the ability for teams to do the whole big three thing not to the same degree not unless it's going to be three superstars playing with like you know two uh water coolers or something like that <laughs> yeah fan fan night fan gets to play point <laughs> yeah, guard yeah. night uh with your three superstars no totally i agree and so uh look i think that was a series though that really, if you're a Boston, if you're in the front office or whatever, if you can't beat that Miami Heat team who had their own problems, Tyler Hero wasn't playing, Bam and Jimmy were really bad in game six, and you got lucky to win that game, that was a series I think you have to win. And I, because you didn't win that series, you really have to ask yourself, can you win with those two guys? And I think I think we've seen it. We saw last year against Golden State. They're still we saw young. This year. They're still they young. But you just kind of look at the makeup and you look at Jalen Brown. I mean... I'm not sure you can dribble a basketball. Come on. Yeah, he and can't like, go to his left. That's, yeah. that's something that is pretty clear. But you can work on that. And I think, you know, I, I, who was it? Tim Legler, I think, made a great point. He goes, you know, I see the, the sort of prime championship caliber years of superstar players being between 27 or 28 and 32, right? That's how it played out with MJ. That's how it's played out with LeBron in some respects. Uh, and so you look at Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're both like under 28 years old uh was it 26 and 25 or 27 and 26 27, 27, and and so yeah i mean these guys are still approaching that they've done a lot of winning i wouldn't necessarily bail out on it but you do have to make the decision if that money is worth it that money is so big it's such a huge price tag and there are going to be a lot of teams in line that'll be willing to pay him that kind of money well, it's just a great example of the job these general managers have to do because it's really hard to think, am I just going to let Jalen Brown walk? But at the same time, I watch them on the floor together. You've seen them play together. <laughs> yes, they've had success, some success, but to lose that series, to kind of see where they're headed, to kind of see a little bit where their mind's at, kind of hearing them talk a little bit, 
I'd, I'd have my doubts for sure. Yeah, no, that's uh, actually uh, something that leads right into our next What the Bleep, which is uh, Bob Myers, the very successful general manager for the Golden State Warriors, uh, decides to step down from his position. I think a lot of people are anticipating that there may be a time down the road where he wants to get back in the game. But what the bleep, man, this group has done some extraordinary things. He was the architect in many ways of it. What the bleep? I think I think by seeing what he did, you kind of figure what's what's lying ahead here for Golden State. I think they've had their run. Now you gotta figure out. I I I mean I I can't imagine paying Draymond Green myself. Clay Thompson's kind of slowing down. That team really was derailed from the moment Draymond Green threw that punch, uh, Jordan Poole, that whole team all year was just kind of derailed. And now They've got a lot of questions, I think, because there's a lot of guys getting paid, a lot of guys I don't think you want to pay. I think, you know, some of their rookie choices are starting to kind of wondering what they're doing there. Um, I think that's a really tall task to kind of, I mean, you've got Steph. You're obviously going to build around Steph. He's never going to go anywhere. But trying to build, rebuild that team around Steph, I think, is a pretty daunting challenge. And I think after all the success he had, he said, you know what? Did my job yeah, here, yeah. won my titles. I don't know if we're doing this anytime soon in the future. I think I'll, I might take a little break. I might go hang out, we'll hang out on the islands, hang out in the Caribbean for a while. <laughs> go out on a high note. It might be something like we're exactly what we're talking about, right? With this uh, new uh, economic and financial construct that's being put together under the new CBA for the NBA. Like maybe he's looking at it going like, I'm going to have to make these really difficult decisions when it involves these three star players in Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. And I don't don't know if it's possible to do it under the under the the new uh, provisions financially for each team. It is going to be so difficult to determine how you're going to split up those big time salaries, uh, and you're going to be relying on players themselves to maybe decide that they're going to take less, which is a, a difficult uh, conundrum to have to face. So maybe he's looking at that, going like, "This is going to be too tough. I've done a lot of great here." I'm out of here for now. Yeah, and let's just remember Jordan Poole, the guy Draymond punched. Oh yeah, he's going to start earning an average salary of thirty-two million dollars. He's got a four-year, one hundred and twenty-eight nice. million dollar contract. Yeah, that's not looking so good nice. after this year. So, <laughs> a lot of problems I think in Golden State. And if you've had the success he has, I think you got to be smart enough to get to that point to know when the writing's on the wall. Hey man, you got the Splash Brothers in. Hey, look, you can't have a splash. Without a pool, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, our next one, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract clause, stating the Raiders can release him without penalty if they do so due to injury. He is still trying to come back from an injury, failed his physical, and then there's this little caveat there, Billy Hall. Tom Brady is awaiting approval from the league ownership board to join the Raiders' ownership team. It's like that whole thing that we heard about what he was trying to do with the Miami Dolphins He's just doing with the Las Vegas Raiders, and it's happening right before our eyes. It's happening right out there in the open. We could be facing a situation where Tom Brady does it to Jimmy Garoppolo again. Again. And 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 is anybody even saying anything about this? What the bleep? I, I got to agree. This is all pretty crazy. I, is Tom Brady really going to play again? I think. <laughs> I mean, I think. I think it's happening, man. I think. I think it's been talked about. I know. Um, Dana White, the UFC guy, is kind of the big, you know, Las. Vegas guy with what he's built there. The Empire is built there and he keeps kind of telling everyone Tom's coming and we're going to do this. He's kind of been saying some stuff so it's hard to believe but I think I think there's a I think there's a chance this might be happening again. It is crazy to me what the bleep is the perfect way to respond to it. But yeah, man, poor Jimmy Garoppolo. It's going to happen to him again. Yeah, like it's it's almost like Tom Brady has set out to just be the thorn in the side of Jimmy G. And hey, look, you know, he's got to get healthy and and Garoppolo's, you know, failed the the physical and some of that is on him in this weird contract clause which makes absolutely no sense 
whatsoever. But at the same time, the Raiders, I believe, if I've heard correctly, uh, they've been picked for like five primetime national television uh, slots this upcoming season? And do you think that was because of Jimmy Garoppolo? Or do you think there's just more going on in the back, uh, in the background? It's conspiracy theory time, man. And here's the proving. This is what you never do. If you have a quarterback long like Tom Brady, don't ever draft his backup to be someone that's more <laughs> handsome than he is. Because, it's, come yeah. on, Jimmy G, that cheekbone, oof. Yeah, Jimmy G is pretty good looking, man. Yeah, don't yeah. do that. I think you that know, might be I'm a bit of, I'm a bit of a, I think what this whole that might be what this whole thing yeah. is about. I think Tom Brady's been a little jealous this whole time. I'm a bit of an old school guy, so you know, Tom <laughs> Tom Brady, I can look at him as like, man, that chin, but the face has also changed over time. And so that's a little suspicious. Jimmy G, though, like he could be cast as Superman or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That T B twelve method. I'd like to know what that's all about. Yeah, yes, Tom right. Brady has changed a lot of That's years. right. Okay. Um I think we're out of time for what the bleep. I Should mean, we what stop the bleep? talking about how good uh, guys are looking or I don't all right, coming up the uh, rest of the show, more good-looking men, according to Billy and Kanoa. That's on Let's Talk Sports. Just kidding. It's best and worst. Because I'd know. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Billy Hall is my special guest co-host for the day. He of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. It's time for our best and worst Billy, uh, traditionally, when he uh, does a best, it's usually something about himself. So let's see if that's uh, still going to be the trend. Billy, do you have a best? Just trying to let this Honolulu Star advertiser get something out of this radio show. But uh, promoting, uh, we're going to run our all-state uh, baseball team on oh, Sunday. Oh, nice. Oh, did you put that It'll together? It'll be in Sunday's paper. Yes, I put it see? together. So it's kind of my worst because it's, it's like one of the most difficult uh, tasks I do all yeah. year long because I'm going to upset some people. You do the best you can. Obviously, I wasn't at every game. But uh, a lot of really good baseball players are going to be uh, um, recognized on Sunday. It's it's a cool little spread. Just kind of pretty cool, neat and see three teams. So right. uh, yeah, check that okay, out. Give, on us, give, us, give us some. Give us something. Uh, give us something. Give us something. Can you, can you tell us anything? Uh, Are you allowed to I'm, tell I'm, anything? No, You're I'm sworn not, to secrecy. I'm sworn to secrecy. Right, just like, well, how, what what school of, had the most? Well, uh, what school had the well most I mean, game? we got let's see, we got we got Maui, Big Island, and Wahoo all on the first team. So the oh, first team's well represented. Okay. All right, very cool. We look forward to that. Wide range of candidates. We look forward to that. That's a great best, Billy. Thanks a lot. It's yourself. All right, my best is. Did you see this Pat Riley statistic? Pat Riley, who is now uh, the GM for, uh, or the president, uh, primary executive, whatever you want to say, uh, for the Miami Heat. Uh, he is being called the godfather for a reason. He will be appearing in the 19th NBA Finals of his legendary career. Six as an executive, three as a player, ten as a coach. He has participated in an NBA Finals either, either as a player, coach, or executive in 25% of every Finals series ever played in NBA history. Pat Riley. The Godfather. The Godfather. <laughs> no. um, this, Still looking good, by the way. Yeah, he really does. Uh, this is this is going to be a blowout, though, right? Like the Nuggets Heat's going to make Nuggets Lakers sweep look like a seven game thriller, right? You know, I thought so at first, but I I think Miami's going to put up. I just it's Miami, dude. I'm not counting them out. I do, I think Denver's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be quite a blowout as everyone thinks. I think Jimmy Butler comes up with at least one spectacular performance. Maybe they get a nug- another game. I'm going to go Nuggets. I'm going to go Nuggets in six, actually. Nuggets in six? Yeah. All right. Closing out on the road. Okay. Or no, they'll be at home. Do they do the 2-3-2? Two, two? I don't even remember. <laughs> nuggets in six. I go uh, I go Nuggets in five just because I think there might be some, like, you know, chance of, like, um, a, a plane trouble that disallows the Nuggets to get to the arena in time or something like that. Oh, wow. Well, that just as long as Miami wins one game so that the Lakers are the only team to get swept by them so I can Oh, but not you. all sweeps are, are, are made equal. 
Totally. I mean, that was those were all close games. Yeah, totally. All, all right. right, let's get to my worst because yeah, I, I want to talk about Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> Why are we trying to speed everything up? Somebody explain this to me. Like, I like sitting there and watching a basketball game for two and a half hours. I know it gets a little tough at the end with the instant replays, but here's what Jeff Van Gundy wants to do. I uh, did an interview. He said he wants to eliminate halftime, and then you eliminate free throws until the last four minutes. So basically, if you foul somebody on a shot before four minutes left in the quarter, the shot just counts and you move on. Like, I mean, what, would we play this game in, in an hour and a half? What does he have somewhere to be? I guess if you're him, you're not getting paid on, uh, you're only getting paid per game. You're not getting paid on time. So he wants to get out of there as quick as possible. But why are we speeding everything up? I still don't like what we're doing in baseball. That's too fast. I missed the Mariners game yesterday by 10 minutes and missed the Yankees scoring four runs. So, uh, yeah, we don't need to keep speeding these things up. I know it's the next generation and these TikTokers and all that stuff. But just totally changing the game like that, no free throws until the last four minutes no no yeah hard pass i mean like are we feeling like basketball is taking too long like maybe the season like maybe yeah. the season's a little too long maybe we can like you know decrease the amount of games or something like that but and that's a couple always of a the replays too i think when there's like three replays in a row at the end of the game sure, sure. yeah timeouts you know i'm kind of a fan of the elam ending you know what they uh, do for the basketball league in the summertime and like um those, those are kind of ways to to maybe limit some of the timeout calling at the end I, I, that does kind of drag out but Everything he's uh, suggesting doesn't do anything to that part of the game. Yeah. And that's really the only part of the game that gets annoying. Yeah. I tell you, one guy who likes his idea, though, Shaquille O'Neal. I bet he's like, oh, any foul on a shot, I get two points. <laughs> Might have been the greatest yeah. of all time. <laughs> that, yeah. That, oh, my gosh. Seriously. <laughs> that would have changed history uh, even more. All right. Well, my worst is the Oakland A's. They're pretty much getting out of Dodge, <laughs> right? It looks like they're headed to Vegas. Oh, they're bad. Uh, and they are so bad. Uh, and nobody around the game or involved with the game appears to care anymore. Like, nobody goes to the game uh, and so there was a clip that came out where a fan ran out onto the field before a game like the grounds crew was out there there was security there and nobody cared the guy ran out onto the field he ran around the entire base path he went backwards third second first and home then scurried all the way back to where he jumped out onto the field jumped back into the seats and nobody even batted an eye there he like ran by grounds crew members ran by security and everyone's just like eh it's the A's who cares go get it buddy the franchise has mailed it in the team has mailed it in <laughs> now security has mailed it in uh, the people working there have mailed it in it's a uh, it's a disgrace man I think I saw 2,000 people were at the game oh, uh, like a week ago or something it's the fact that they've let it get to this point is is is, is yeah yeah Vegas bound Vegas, when, when you're when you're at your lowest you know what you need yeah Little, you need Las Vegas. little trip to Sin City. <laughs> yep. All right, Billy, have a safe trip. We'll see you when you get back. Uh, thanks uh, certainly to Liz, Stacy for working the board next door. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow, everybody.